Would you guys welcome as we give together Price Right? Amen. God is good. I got so much to share, so much to say. If you follow me on Facebook, you already know which direction I'm about to go. God did some amazing things for me and my family this week. And I got to share it because we're so close to going to 2019. But before I do that, the words to that song really just hit my heart really heavy this morning. And I don't, for the life of me, I can't remember the rest of the verse, but I remember this part. In my father's house, there's a place for me. I'm a child of God. Yes, I am. Mm. God is good. God is good. Father, I thank you for this time. Thank you for this moment that you've given me to share your word with your people. Thank you for Matt, Pastor Matt, for his gracious and generous heart, um, for his obedience to your spirit. Thank you, God, for every single pastor I've been connected with the New City as we move forward to, to push your kingdom and do the things you've called us to do. Once again, we pray this word would be effective, uh, intentional, and that it would go out and bless the hearts of those that it needs to bless and touch, encourage and equip those who it needs to encourage and equip. We give you praise, honor, and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Man, I'm so excited. I got my eyes closed. I'm celebrating up here because I don't even think I realized how good <laughs> this week was, how good God was to me. My, my wife and I, we were driving, headed to a Christmas party probably about a week and a couple of days ago, and we had all the kids in the back seat. And we're driving, headed out on the highway. It's totally dark. It's about 7 o'clock, uh, 6.30, 7 o'clock, right around that time. We're driving. My wife is driving because I kind of, I've been driving all around the city doing work that day, and my leg was kind of hurting. I never have my wife drive. Like, literally never. I always drive. And so this night, I was like, I need, you know, could you drive for me? So she takes over the wheel. We start heading to uh, Overland Park, Kansas from Raytown. And we, we jump on the highway. And uh, it's interesting because that same day, there was a... Uh, accident that happened on, the, on that same exact highway on the ramp. I, I was trying to get on the ramp and called my wife and said, man, this is really weird. I'm having a hard time getting on the highway. And come to find out that I'd been a really bad accident that day. So we're driving. We're just talking. We're talking about some really deep stuff. And it's really interesting, the conversation we're having. We're really in-depth. My wife, she's watching the road. She's doing her thing. And I'm just kind of, you know, chilling and relaxing my leg. And all of a sudden, just bam, we get hit from the side. It was, I mean, we didn't, we didn't see it coming. We didn't, we didn't have a clue what was happening, but just, wow, we get hit. Car starts shaking. My wife is driving. It was so quick. There was no time to think about really anything except to brace myself because it looked like we were about to ram right into the side guardrail on the highway. So, so many things could have happened out of that, but I'm excited with two days left in this year that I'm alive. I'm excited that my wife and my sons, they're alive, that God had, he spared our life for a purpose. There's some things that he still needs us to do. There's some things that God has planned that he wants us to execute. So that night as we did that, my wife didn't turn. The car didn't turn and go under the semi because it was a semi truck that hit us. And it was a semi full of all kinds of equipment and all kinds of stuff. My wife took a picture of it. And, I mean, I think the trauma from the event was just like, I think we were both kind of shook up from what had happened, that I had no way to control it. And my wife was the one driving. It was like, wow, you know, it just, it just happened. We were thanking God with two days left. I can give God some praise because this year has brought some roller coaster stuff. This year has brought some great things. It's brought some weird things. It's brought some incredible things. It's brought an increase in prayer life. It's brought all those things. But I can be glad and I can celebrate because here we are with the countdown as we get ready to head into the new year. And I am excited about it. And I hope you would help me to celebrate by clapping your hands and just thanking God that we have life and that we've made it this far. We've made it this far. The sad part of that story is the lady that was on that highway earlier in the day, she didn't make it. She didn't make it. And it really resonated heavy 
on my heart. So I just wanted to share that story because we are heading into the new year, 2019. And as I think back over what's been happening, I want to just remind you of some of the things we've talked about in the last six weeks. We went over this be the gift topic, and we've talked about being the gift. I don't want to assume that everybody knows what I'm about to talk about. So if you have a paper and a pen and you haven't made it here for the last six weeks, I want you just to write down a couple of these notes that I'm going to share. I don't want you to miss where I'm going with this message. I heard a few things that were key to my message. I heard the word revolution. There's something incredible about that word I want to share in my message today. Once again, I'm Pastor Price. From Loma Vista, I'm really excited to be there. I'm excited for what God is doing there. My wife is out today. She's at home with two sick kids. They have a stomach flu. That thing is going around like crazy. But, you know, I'm thanking God for being able to be here today, right? So week one, we talked about the APEST. We talked about the APEST. They're going to put it up so you'll be able to see some of this stuff, the APEST. And you can already see up there what the APEST is already about. If you don't know, I want you to make sure you get some notes. That APEST stands for a few different things, five different things to be exact, It's apostle, prophet, evangelist, shepherd, and teacher. Those are gifts that God has given. Each one of us has that gift, but you have to be aware of what the gift is that God has given you. If you don't know what that gift is, then it's very important that you search to get to know what that gift is because these gifts are used for the building of the kingdom. So we have to know what our gift is. If you don't know, you can also take the test to find out, to help you along, to know what it is the gift is that God has given you. And based off some things and answers that you give, it's going to help you along that road. It may not give you the, all the answers that you need, but it will help you kind of go to where you need to go with that. You can go to our website. You'll see some more information there that is about that. And I'll give you that website here in just a little bit if you don't know it. Week two, we talked about the gift. The gift. What is the gift? The gift is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the greatest gift. If you have the Holy Spirit, you're able to walk in power and walk out those callings with the apest. If you have the Holy Spirit, you walk in all of those giftings of the Holy Spirit. You walk in them in power. I talked about it last time I was here. When you have the Holy Spirit, you begin to be directed. God speaks to you and you follow that direction. You begin to walk in power and authority and integrity. You have trustworthiness and reliability and all those things, right? So you want to have the gift because the gift is going to inspire you and empower you and help you go the right direction. Week three, week four, week five, I kind of combine them together. <clears throat> John 15, if you look up on your left or right, John 15, abiding. We talked about abiding in Jesus. You see that all throughout the scriptures. If you have some time, I want you to go and read John 15 because it is super incredible. And it's very encouraging and inspiring. So John 15, if you haven't read that, make sure you go read that. We talked about Matthew 6, 26 and 33. Seek first the kingdom of God. And then finally... We talked about discipleship, Matthew 28 and 19. I didn't put the scripture up there, one of the most powerful things. I'm not sure if that's the specific scripture you guys use here, but I know with New City as a whole, that is a scripture that we use readily. Uh, Matthew 28 and 19, go you therefore teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all the things the Lord has commanded. And we want to make sure we're doing those things today. So number six, week six, we're talking about one that's very important to me, love God. And love your neighbor. We talked about the neighbor thing uh, about a month ago. When I, first, uh, when I first came out, actually, this has been a while. But back in June and July when I first came out to Edgerton, they were talking about the neighbors. But we're specifically talking about loving God and loving your neighbor. It's funny. The two greatest commands God gave uh, when he was talking to people, he said, if you want to encompass everything in Scripture, there's two different things that you need to do. Love God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and love your neighbor as you love yourself. Has anybody ever heard that before? When we love our neighbors as we love ourselves, we'll begin to walk the way that God has called us to walk. When I was a young, a young kid in church, we would have a three-hour, four-hour service that we would do on New Year's, right? 
And in this service, they would be praising. They'd be telling testimonies. They'd be doing all kinds of stuff. And it was awesome, right? But while I was there as a young kid, I would fall asleep. I was just, it was long. It was like, man, like, when are we ever going to go home? But I didn't really understand. They were just having a great time of fellowship and community. And that's just the way they did it. But as I got older, I didn't want to fall asleep because I enjoyed the fellowship. So I brought some paper and a pencil and some crayons, markers, different things like that. So when my parents was doing their thing, I wanted to write down some resolutions. I wanted to write down some things that I wanted to do. So I began to jot down, well, I want to do this and I want to do that and I want to do all these things. Some of us don't really care about resolutions at this point. We've kind of grown past that. We do other things. But there's a word that hit me as I was thinking about this that's even greater. And I mentioned it earlier. The word is not resolution. The word is revolution. We want to do more than just have a resolution because of this reason. When you look at a resolution, as you see, I have bold, the intention. There's an intention there, but it doesn't necessarily mean we're going to have action, right? When you have a resolution, you have an intention. You want to do something. You want to achieve a goal. But you may have not even put in a plan in place to do that. You may just be saying, hey, this is kind of what I want to do. When there's a revolution, there's a change. You can read the definition there. It says dramatic and wide-reaching change. There's a change that happens. We want our minds to be revolutionized. We want, to, we want something big to happen. We don't want to just stay put doing the same things we've been doing, so we must begin to walk forward. So I began to write down all these little things, and I would write down everything, jot down everything I wanted to do, and a lot of times none of that happened. I wanted to go to the gym. I wanted to get better at basketball. That, that actually happened. I actually got, I, I got pretty decent at that one. <laughs> I wanted to do good on my grades and get straight A's. Sometimes that one, that one happened. Sometimes it wasn't as good. I wanted to be a better son. All these different things I would put down. And as I grew up now, I look around, there's all types of things commercials are throwing at us they want us to do, right? But when we have a revolution, we begin to walk the way that God has called us to walk. We begin to talk the way that God has called us to talk. And you can't do that unless you have God's spirit. And that's why we mentioned the commands. Love your neighbor as you love yourself and love God with all your heart. I love what what I've written. I want to make sure I don't miss any of these specific points that I want to raise. So Luke 10 and 25, I want to read exactly what Jesus said himself. Just then, an expert in the law stood up to test him, saying, Teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law? He asked him. How do you read it? He answered, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. You've answered correctly, he told him. Do this, and you will live. Jesus was talking to the man, and they were kind of having a conversation back, and Jesus was asking them that, and then that was the response that God gave. And Jesus says, you've answered correctly. He told them, do this, and you will live. If you want a revolution to happen, you have to begin to do what God has commanded you to do. If you don't follow what God has commanded, you won't begin to walk in power. You won't begin to walk in integrity. You won't begin to find your apest. You won't begin to walk by the Spirit. You won't begin to be able to talk to people about the truth of God. You won't be able to create relationships, all because... You haven't begun to revolutionize that thinking and step forward and take action. When you take action, you start seeing other things happen. See, I think about chess, the game of chess. When you're playing chess, it's a little different than checkers. See, chess, you got strategic moves you got to make. You want to protect your king. But in checkers, if you've played checkers before, it's a little bit simpler, right? The goal is to get that king, and then you're able to make little crazy moves and go all over the place, right? We want God to be the king of our life because he knows all the moves that need to be made. He knows exactly where we need to be, where we need to go, how we need to talk, how we need to walk. He showed us that through his son. So we want to be like God. We want to be like the creator of the world. We want to be 
like the king. And so when we play this game of checkers, we want to get from, if you're, if you're the white and there's a black, you want to get over to the black side, you want to be changed. If you're on the black side, you want to get to the white side and you want to be changed. And when you get kinged, you're able to move all across the board. You're able to jump. If you, some people cheat. My dad, I felt like he used to cheat. He would do, he would do flying checkers, flying kings. And he would just go, bam, bam, bam. I jumped you, I jumped you. I'm like, man, that's cheating. But my dad knew the rules of some checkers in a way that I didn't know them. But once I learned what it meant to be a king, I said, well, I want to go be like the king. I want to go become a king. I want to be king. The only way you can be king in this life is you get his spirit. When you get his spirit, you can begin to move the way the king has given you to move. You can begin to go to territories and areas and domains that God has only given. See, there's things I wrote down about the king. See, the king has dominion and domain. Dominion equals power and domain equals territory. And it's important you understand the privilege you have as a citizen under the kingship. See, the king that you serve is the ruler of all the world, the creator of all the world. Why do we trust this king? Because he's given us his written word. He's given us his son. The Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believed in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not come to the world to condemn the world, that through him the world may be saved. God did something incredible for us, right? So when you begin to move the way that God wants us to move. You begin to act the way God wants to act and talk the way God wants to talk and and, and respond the way God wants us to respond. You'll begin to do something called create relationships, right? That's the next step. You create relationships. That's how you love your neighbor. You honor God by accepting and embracing his ways. You honor God by changing your lifestyle, by taking action and walking forward in the calling that God has given you. And as you do that, you'll begin to walk the way God wants you to walk. You begin to jump the way God wants you to jump, talk the way God wants you to talk, right? And then the next step will be to love your neighbor as you love yourself. You'll have to create relationships. That's just what Jesus did. Sometimes we look at our neighbors and we say, I don't really want to talk to my neighbor. I don't like my neighbor. My neighbor is weird. My neighbor is rude. My neighbor is mean. Maybe it's the opposite. Maybe you love your neighbor, you like your neighbor, and you've created relationships with your neighbor. It's not, it's not to be tricky and to do something manipulative. It's to become a true friend. That's what Jesus did. Jesus, when he washed feet, he was a servant, right? He, when he served his community, he served the people around him. So we have to take that next step. We go and we say, hey, how are you doing today? It's not about, hey, do you know Jesus? Hey, can I talk to you about this scripture? It's, hey, how are you doing today? Hey, I see your tires flat. We begin to create relationships with people. And that's what God is calling us to do. One of the next steps is to love your neighbor as you love yourself. Begin to walk forward in the calling that God has given you. But God is not only calling you guys to do that. He's calling all the leaders to do that. So 1 Timothy 3, 1 through 4. If we can get that up, I want to read just a little bit of that. This saying is trustworthy. Anyone that aspires to be an overseer, he desires a noble work. An overseer, therefore, must be above reproach. The husband of one wife. Self-controlled, sensible, respectable, hospitable, an able teacher, not addicted to wine, not a bully, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not greedy. One who manages his own household competently, having his children under control with all dignity. See, the leaders, Ray, Pastor Ray is in Miriam, and Pastor Casey, who's in Edgerton, Pastor Matt right here, and then me coming up in, in Loma. I can't really speak for myself yet because you guys haven't seen me operate in that, in that way, but I can speak for Pastor Matt. These guys are walking the way that God has called them to walk. They're doing what God has called them to do. And as they follow Christ, we want to follow in line with what God has given them to do, which is exactly what I love doing. I'm able to vouch for New City as a whole. I don't just come out of Longville. I'm just excited they've given me a building to be able to serve in. I'm excited to be a part of what we've been doing. 
I'm excited to be a part. Every Tuesday, I have to come out, and I get to see what the New City leaders and the teams are doing. Every single week, we're able to meet and come together and share what God is doing in our communities and share how we can love our neighbors better and share how we can walk off the apex better and share how can we can be more like the king, how we can move and take over different things that God has given us and God has laid before us. And as we do that and we walk in power and authority together, we're able to accomplish the missions that God has given us. But as the leaders, we have to first take on the mind that we're going to follow God and do what God has called us to do. So I thank God for trustworthy, reliable, responsible, intentional, integral leaders that we have here with New City. And I can say I'm super proud to be a part of what New City is doing for that reason alone because we are following Scripture. We look at Scripture and say, how can we do this better? How can we disciple people? How can we really follow God's will to disciple and do what God has actually told us to do and not just do our own thing and create our own visions and create our own goals and create our own resolutions? But how can we have this revolution of the mind and walk forward in the calling and the will of God? How can we do that? We come together and we talk about it. We chew it up. We break it down. And we say, this is what we're going to do. We're going to love our neighbors. We're going to love God as we, with all of our hearts, minds, and our souls. And we, as we do that, we begin to walk with power. For those of you that sit here that you don't know what I'm talking about, you say, well, I don't really understand anything you're saying. Let me break it down. We serve the king, the ruler of all the world, the creator of the world. He sent his son. I gave you the scripture, John 3, 16. And when he came, he lived this life that was humble. In the Christmas season, we celebrate his birth. We celebrate his birth. If you research and study it, we see that Jesus was most likely born in the springtime, but we've chosen to celebrate his birth during this time. And it's an awesome, incredible time to celebrate the birth of God and remind ourselves not to get caught up in commercialism. Not that I'm saying that, you know, you don't want to give presents. We want to give gifts and share love and do those things. But we want to remember that Jesus was born of a virgin, Mary, in Bethlehem, in that, in that manger. And he, for 33 years, walked and lived and, and got disciples and apostles to walk with him. And these apostles, he shared the truth with them. And he told them, you guys, on you, I'm going to build the church. On you guys, I'm going to build the church. He confirmed the words of the prophets in the Old Testament. So you have this Old Testament confirmed by the Lord Jesus who's sent by God who says that, hey, I'm the way and truth and the life. There's no way to the Father but by me. He says this. Then he lives and he does miracles. He feeds 5,000 with a few fish and loaves of bread. He walks on water. And then he does all this thing. He touches people's eyes. He, heals. he raises up the dead. He does all this incredible stuff to prove that he is who he says he is. Then they put him on a cross. They put him on a cross, an innocent man, a man that everybody was willing to vouch for. They got jealous. They said, hey, he's blasphemed. He's equaling himself to God. He, he said he's, he's the son of God. He says that he, he agrees that he's the son of God. He didn't turn it down. He said that he is. So they put him on this cross. And when they put him on this cross, they crucified him. They beat him. They did all this stuff. So, I mean, it really hurt him bad. If you've seen the Passion of the Christ, just an example, I mean, I mean they beat him. They bruised him. They whipped him. They, all these things. He went up on that cross and there were two guys right next to him. And I love this story, these two guys, because on one side you have the guy that's the pessimist, the guy that says, hey, uh, you know, if you're, the, if you're the son of God, why don't you get yourself off this cross? How many people in this time and day around you are talking like that nowadays? If, if, you're, if you're a believer, you know, tell your God to do this. Where's your God at in my situation? If your God is really God, why did he let you almost have that wreck? Come on, if you, if you, if you are who you say you are, get yourself off this cross. Then you have the guy next to him that says, hey, what, what are you talking about, man? Hey, when you come into your kingdom, please, you know, don't forget about me. Jesus turns to him and says, hey, when I come into my kingdom, he said, this day you'll be with me in paradise. Then he hangs his head, he dies. He goes into that tomb for three days, and then he comes out, and the first people to meet him are women. And the testament is true. They tell it just like it is. Back then, a woman's testimony in that era, I'm sure you've heard it from your awesome teacher, Matt, that a woman's testimony wasn't what it is today. 
And so it wasn't accepted and embraced. But the Bible being so true, they told it like it is. They said women were the first ones to see him. They were the first ones to find him. They went back and they told other people. So Jesus begins to walk around as a resurrected Christ. You all know the story, but I'm sharing it for somebody, and I'm reminding you if you don't know. I have to remind you once again. He begins to walk, and then he shows himself to many people. Goes around for 40 days just doing all kinds of amazing things. Sits at a dinner with some people, shows them the hands and say, hey, he tells uh, Thomas, handle me. He said, a ghost doesn't have flesh and, flesh and bone the way I have. This is when he had risen, after they killed him. He said, handle me. A ghost doesn't have flesh and bone. Then he went to the apostle. He, told, he said, if I don't go, the Holy Spirit won't come. I have to go, and I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. He goes to the mountain. He ascends, and then he sends the Holy Spirit, and that incredible story happens. I say all that to say, once he did that, he sent the opportunity for you to have his spirit. He sent the opportunity for you to receive him, to receive his gift. Because he did all that, now we can have life. He came from heaven here to give us life. But we have to embrace and receive it. I said it, I said it early, John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Whoever believes in him. So we have to believe. And if you believe, he said, if you love me, you'll keep my commands. And when you keep his commands, he said, that me and the Father will come to dwell with you. We'll make our residence with you. We'll begin to walk with you and build with you. In my own life, I'm seeing God do amazing things because I believe I've embraced the Lord and allowed him to come reside with me. You have to do that in your life. And you'll begin to see the powerful hand of God move in a way that maybe you've never seen done. And maybe today, if this is the day you say, well, I want to know more. It's time for you to connect. And maybe you say, I think I need to connect with somebody because I haven't been connecting with someone. It's time for you to go and connect and say, hey, can I call you? Can we go to lunch? If you've never discipled someone, if you've never stepped out and said, hey, can we meet up? Maybe it's time for you to do that. Maybe it's time for you to step out of your comfort zone. See, the king puts you in an uncomfortable position sometimes. But you got to remember, you have the privileges of the kingdom. You're privileged to have all the rights of a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. So as you walk with the Lord God, he's going to do powerful things in your life. As you step out on faith and begin to talk to people and share the truth and say, hey, I want to walk and live like God has called me to live. The power of the Lord is going to come down on you and you're going to be a powerful witness and a tool in the hands of an almighty God. And when you're a tool in the hands of the almighty God, he can open up whatever territory he wants to open because he has dominion. Because he is king and he is Lord. And as he opens up territory, he'll put things in your lap. He'll lay things right there for you. But you have to trust him. You have to believe. You have to obey his commands. Follow his will. And when you do that, then God will begin to do an amazing thing. God will begin to do an amazing thing. So remember, the resolution is okay. It's okay. But the revolution is what's going to change everything in your life. Father, I thank you for this time you've given me. I thank you for the word that's went forth. And I'm praying this word to bless your people. God, that they will remember that we don't want to just, we don't just want to have a resolution. We want to have a revolution of life, a revolution of mind. We want to walk forward in power. We want to honor you in our commitments and everything, Father. Bless them, God, as we go forward in this new year in 2019. Help them to keep the promises they've made to you in their hearts as they walk forward in power. We give you praise, honor, and glory in Jesus' name. Amen.